thank you. Uh, for those joining us online, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us and being with us. I've uh, swapped mics. I'm using the handheld one, not because I want to look awesome and cool. Okay, okay, that doesn't work. Uh, but because uh, it's not going through on the feed to our online family, so we want to keep the online family connected. And so I'm preaching with this in my hand. So um, I have to juggle between this and the clicker. So, which is not easy for dyslexic. Okay, uh, we've been on a journey, and, and quite a remarkable journey. And if you're new to us, or you're just visiting us, I've met some lovely new people here that are just visiting us, and perhaps uh, seeing what Willow Park Church is like, and, um, and checking us out. Other people I've met who have travelled all the way from the distant land of Alberta, and, and they are here to see the wondrous things of British Columbia. We welcome you. And uh, even I met some people from Saskatchewan. Hallelujah. We pray for you. Uh, but, but seriously, uh, we have been on a journey, and it has been quite a journey. And I say that because if you're dipping in uh, and you're just arriving, you could feel a little bit discombobulated. I love that word. Discombobulated. How are you feeling today? Discombobulated. I don't know what it means, but I love it. And absolutely um, fantastic that, that you're here. But you might thought, what are we actually trying to achieve? Well, let me remind you that we are on a journey looking at the covenants of the Lord right the way from Genesis through to Revelation. This is our kind of time when we step into the New Testament. But we started off by looking right in the beginning in Eden, where we know what took place there with the fall. But what we saw in chapter 3 of the fall was that moment when, when the Lord spoke and the, and the scripture, the narrative speaks and says two things will happen. From the woman, the head of the serpent will be crushed. And there will, from the woman will come a seed. A seed that will travel all the way through that will bring redemption and hope. Right away at the beginning. Now why do I start there and remind that? I will remind you that the Bible is beautiful, it is gorgeous, but it links together in a narrative and a theme. And it's a theme that yes there was a fall, but God has created an opportunity for redemption. And even at the fall we see the seed person that will come to change the world. We see the moment that one will come to be the crusher. And I reminded you in another sermon that Jesus Christ is that seed that came into the world to crush the work of sin, to crush the work of death, to crush the work of darkness, because Jesus Christ is victorious. And when we realize from one end to the other that there is a unique narrative, it makes us fall in love with God more, it makes us connect with the Lord more deeply, it also helps us to appreciate the way that the Bible is stitched together and divinely inspired by the breath of God, that it's not just a random group of fairy tales thrown together and myths and ideas, but this Bible has substance, it is truth, it is life, it is alive, it is God-breathed, and it started in Genesis, and it will finish in Revelation, and when the Lord returns, I will be there. You will be there. We know that, that, that even a flood 
deal with the heart and the heart issue. We know the reason the flood came was because the man's heart was corrupt and then even after the flood waters has come, there in Genesis, in what we call the primeval history, then we see that man's heart was still corrupt and a flood did not sort out the corruption because the flood of water could not wash away man's dark heart. What I want to remind you is, is that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can change our heart. It's only the work of Christ. And we see in the story of Noah through the line of Shem that there the promises again that one would come, one would arrive. And then of course we know that through the Abrahamic covenant that God promised the world that there would come a great nation and this nation would bless all nations. And through this nations, we, the whole world, would be blessed. And then we saw in there, in the, in the story of Moses, the Mosaic Covenant, where we know that in Abraham, it, it was unconditional. In other words, the nine points of the Abrahamic Covenant are unconditional, they will happen. But then in the Mosaic Covenant, it's conditional. Obey me, follow my laws, follow my standards, know me, and you will be blessed. But if you go against me, if you rebel, if you, if you choose to worship other gods, you will lose your land. And as a result of losing your land, you will not be able to, to you, until you get right with me, you will not have your land. It's conditionally. We saw that. We saw that when Babylon came and took, took uh, Judah away into Babylon for, for 70 years. And I reminded you that in history, it is impossible to find a nation that was obliterated, taken into captivity, turned into slaves, then they came out, were given back their land, were given back their city, were given back their temple, and there was restored. There's a remarkable story in the Old Testament. Is that by chance? No, because God does the impossible. And then we know that, that in AD 70, the whole of Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, the Jewish nation was destroyed, and they were scattered to the winds until 1948, and then the state of Israel was re-established, and they were given back the land. Why? After, after 1900 years, God kept his promise, he kept his promise, and why did he keep his promise? It's not about the political scene in Israel, let's not get into politics, it's about the land itself, why? Because one day the heavens will open and Jesus will return on the Mount of Olives and every eye will see the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why. So don't get caught in the politics, we can get in that when we have a cup of coffee, maybe, but... But what I want to say is, is that you can see the narrative. I promised the land to Abraham. Abraham, you're going to have the land. I promised these things. To Moses, yes, you're going to have the land. And I turn you from a rabble of slaves for 400 years in Egypt. Why did they go into Egypt? When a group of 70 patriarchs went into the land and stayed there so that they would know God and learn that God is all-powerful that God keeps his covenants, that God is compassionate, that he's forgiving, and that he is sovereign. 
And after 400 years in Egypt, they discovered that God is all of those things. And I want to remind you, you may come to church this morning, feel a little down, you may feel a little blue, you may be a little stressed, you may be a little worried, I don't know. You might be like, oh, I didn't even want to shake the pastor's hand at the door because he's so happy and I snuck him through the side door just to avoid him. That guy with the accent, yeah. I'm Canadian, by the way, now completely. I've got my papers. I'm flying to England tomorrow with a Canadian passport. Yes. It's not going to do that. But let me tell you what he taught Israel, he teaches you. And this is what he teaches you that he keeps his promises, he teaches you that he's all powerful. He teaches you that he's compassionate, that he's forgiven, and that he's the sovereign Lord. Teaches those things still. It's hard, though, when we go through grief. It's hard, though, when we face pain. It's hard when we, when we battle in life to hold on that somewhere out of Egypt, we're going to come to the promised land. But there's a narrative. And, of course, with Moses, how do you hold the standard of the conditional covenant, break this and there's trouble, and the unconditional covenant together of the Abrahamic. How are we going to stitch these things together? And then, of course, we had the Davidic uh, covenant, where the promise was that through the seed of a king that would come, that will last for eternity, and one that will come to rule, he'll not only be a, a king, but he'll also be a priest, as the order of Melchizedek. We know that. How is it all going to come together? Well, it comes together this morning in the New Testament. And the New Testament Let's talk about the New Testament. Let's talk about the New Covenant. Let's start to think these things through as we work towards the finale next week. What I want to say, first of all, is that often we forget and think that the New Covenant is, is just for us Gentiles. But the New Covenant was, first of all, given to Israel. And the Lord promised this and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. So sometimes we can forget that the Lord has made promises to Israel that the Lord will fulfill. And this is part of the new covenant. And that new covenant was that they are a dry boned, dead people like Ezekiel. And God's breath is going to come. And out of the dust and out of the dry bones, then the people will rise again and be full with the spirit of God. And there's a prophecy, of course, in Zechariah that says one day that 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 the, the Jewish nation will be saved and the Lord will return and will protect the nation from the battle of the final days. And there'll be a mighty war in, in, in Jerusalem and a mighty war in, in Israel and the Lord himself will deliver and there Israel will turn their heart again to the Messiah. And let me remind you who that Messiah is. The Messiah is the Lord Jesus Christ. So often we think, oh, it's just our covenant. It's not just ours. We are grafted in. We are blessed through the promises of Abraham. And we are blessed. It is, it is, yeah, new covenant can often feel like, well, it's brand new. It's completely different. What we've tried to show you through the, 
through the well, eight teaching sessions through the summer is this, is that the, the consistent consistency of the covenants working together to the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ and his promise and then his ascension and his final return. What should this help us do? It should help us know God better and have a greater confidence in the word of God. Because so much attacks on the word of God these days. So many. Except what I want to say to you, it's not so much of a new covenant it's more like a renewed covenant. It's like a, a, a new moon isn't a different moon. It's a new moon. And often what we can do is just kind of go, oh, that's all oh, the past is the past. And all we need is the new covenant. No, what we need to know is that from Genesis to Revelation, God has a divine, gorgeous, magnificent plan. And you and I are part of that plan. And so we enter into it. So the Abrahamic covenant still stands today. The Abrahamic covenant is still there. We've been grafted into that. The Abrahamic covenant that says, like, like it says, I, you will be blessed. Now, can I ask you this morning, how many of you feel blessed this morning? Because we've been, we, we, we part of this, this great story, this great, great journey. You will be blessed. Your, your name will be made great. Well, the name of Christ, the name of the Lord, the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, you can't go anywhere in the world where the name of Jesus is not known. His name is great. He is magnificent. He says, I will be your God and you, you will be my people. This morning, have you woken up knowing that you are the Lord and the Lord is your God and he loves you and, and he is your God and you've entered into a living relationship with that God, right? That's the most precious thing. You never want to lose that. That every morning you get up and you go, wow, the Lord is my God. He is my God and he has chosen me. He's with me. He cares for me. He's there. He loves me. The fourth thing in the Abrahamic covenant is that he protects us. He will protect. And many of us have experienced that. And it's beautiful. And God's protection. You know, I've stood on the Golan Heights and, and seen where the great attack of Syria took place. And, and the miracle that took place when, when Israel was was protected in the six-day war. When, when Egypt started to move their tanks and they saw things that they shouldn't have saw. Why is that? Because the Lord said, I'm going to protect you because I haven't finished with you. And you know what? That mount called Zion in Jerusalem, I'm going to land right there on the Mount of Olives. I'm going to come back. And I think sometimes we forget when we're, when we're wrapped up in ideas and conspiracies and we're wrapped up in Facebook and we're wrapped up in this and that and we can get so distracted. We don't want to be wrapped up in that. I want to be wrapped up in the word of the Lord and know what the scripture says because one day we know God's going to bring everything together and even Zuckerberg is going to have to bow his knee to Jesus. Oh yes, uh, and Elon Musk. I don't know any of these people really. I'm just saying these names and, and, and me. I will bow my name. But we realize that we're part of this epic journey. There are about, I'll only use one verse. Come on, Phil. 
get on with it. Okay, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. See, it was for Israel. And so we know that, that yes, he's going to protect. That he's going to be with them. We know that he's going to be a great nation. We know that he's going to give them land. We know at the end of that is that every nation in the world will be blessed. And we know finally that a seed king will arrive. And that was the promise. And that seed king will come from the seed in Genesis, will arrive to bring it all together. And that person, that king, that I'm getting ahead of myself in the sermon, that person, yes, I can't stop running to Jesus, is Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment of all of those covenants. So you can be, you can be confident. You can be confident that he's at work and I will make you and I. So what's going to happen with this covenant? Well, first of all, through this priest king, through this person, the unrighteous will become righteous. The issue of the heart will be resolved. The issue of the law and the issue of of Abrahamic covenant will come together and it will come together and has come together in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the answer is Jesus. So the very work of what this king priest will come and do is that he will come and has come. He comes to take us that are fallen, that are broken, that are are unrighteous, that are wrong, that are failed in so many ways. And through his life and through his death and through his sacrifice, I am now made completely righteous, not by my own power, but by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I will not Be like the covenant I made with the ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, things are going to change. There's a new covenant coming. He goes on. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. Think about that. That's how we reconcile the law of Moses with the Abrahamic covenant of which Christ is the fulfillment is that he comes and he gives us a brand new heart. Do you remember why the flood came? And we we talked about the brackets That the real story of the flood is about man's heart was wicked. And then at the end of the flood narrative, man's heart was wicked. So what is the answer to man's heart? The answer is that he will give us a new heart and he will write the laws are within us so that we know the law and we live correctly. 
And that's why at Willow Park Church, we talk about living correctly. We talk about having a right life. We talk about confession. We talk about getting rid of our sin. We talk about changing our character because it's not about information. It's about transformation, being transformed by the presence and the power of God. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. The great prophetic utterance of Jeremiah 31, verses 32, 33, 34. I'm giving you a new covenant. I'm giving you a new heart. And nobody will need to teach anybody because everybody will know because they've been renewed by the presence of God. And if you're honest, you know that's true. If you're a spirit-filled Christian and you are serving God, you know when you're wrong and you know when you're right. You know when you need to confess. You know when you need to forgive. You know when you're in a bad mood. You know it because the Holy Spirit tells you and your wife. But my wife said to me yesterday, are you a bit irritated about something? No. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little bit irritated. I don't know what it was. I can't remember. The Lord's washed it all away. But we know because it's now written in our hearts. We know because it's now given to us in the new covenant and that the one will come. And, and Jeremiah goes on to say, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sin no more. That is the new covenant. He's dealt with the condemnation of the law and the blessing of Abraham. He's brought it together in a character called the king priest. And the character of the king priest is the king of a new kingdom. And he is the priest that is holy enough to give the sacrifice so that every one of us can be forgiven. Everyone can press the restart button. Every one of us can be born again. Every one of us can be saved. Every one of us can know freedom because the king priest Jesus Christ has come to the world it's the coming together yeah isn't it good that I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more you know when the apostle Paul preached the gospel he preached the gospel from the old testament because they didn't have the new testament right this morning you're hearing the gospel being preached from the old testament and you're understanding What is taking place? And the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever by the order of Melchizedek. That's Jesus. Right the way from the voice of the psalmist. He is a king that rules over a kingdom that is eternal, correct and righteous. We don't see it now in the fullness that you will see it one day. One day we will see it. 
And I think it's a shame that the church has lost its enthusiasm about anticipating, mainly because of bad teaching, but we've lost our enthusiasm about the prospect that at any moment he could return. And we should live with an urgency. We should live with a passion. We should pray like we any moment he should return. And although there are some films that I did not like when I first became a Christian in the 80s, you know, Left Behind or The Thief in the Night, you remember that? And you heard testimonies about people coming into the house and their mum and dad gone and they thought, oh no, they've been taken, I've been left behind. Oh mom, where are you? I'm in the cupboard. Uh, you know... Uh, those flashing of lightning, you're wondering. And I think the danger is that you can, you, can, you can sort of dumb it down, but when you look at the narrative of Scripture, you don't dumb it down. As a believer, you live your life with urgency. You live your life with devotion. You live your life as if the Lord's coming back every day and you say, I want to serve Jesus completely. So what about you? I know it's been tough. I know you've been through a lot. We all experience the sadness and I don't know why you're here. But what I can say to you is will you live your life for Jesus? Because the story's too big. The stakes are too high. The world is unstable and we all know it. But we are rooted in the story and we're rooted in the covenant. The promise that God will not forsake us. And so we realise this, that he is a king priest that comes. Not only is a king priest, but Ezekiel says, so I will establish my covenant with you and you will know that I am Lord. Then, when I make atonement for all you have done, you will remember and be, be ashamed and never again open your mouth because of your humiliation, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. This is the promise of the New Testament. The promise of the New Testament is not only that he's a priest that can come and to clear all of our sins, but not only is he the priest that is able, but he is the sacrifice once and for only. He's the Lamb of God that completed the task. No more animals, no more sacrifices in temples. No more repetitiveness. One sacrifice, once and for all, the new covenant, Jesus did it. We are free and we are now in God's kingdom. He did it. And he sprinkles us with this water. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Just read Isaiah 53. Just understand all of those verses that talks about just, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed 
crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. That's the point. That the, the prophecy in Genesis that she from the woman will come, the one that will crush the serpent's head, came the son, the king priest, that was nailed to the cross to crush injustice, to crush sin, to crush death, to crush the evil, to bring everything right. And he was pierced for us and gave his life. He died so that I may never die. He bore my sins so that I could be forgiven. He saved me. He changed me. He redeemed me. So why are we sometimes a bit miserable as Christians? Why do sometimes do we doubt the promises of God? Why do we forget to pray? Why do we lose a love for the Bible? Why do we forget the massive narrative? Why don't we get our stuff sorted out? And you know what you've got to sort out, don't you? Because I know what I've got to sort out. There's nothing better than coming to Jesus and letting him change and transform your life. I can truly say there are those, and I, I give thanks for this, there are those of you who have been raised in the church and you were raised and some of the testimonies here, three, four, five generations of belief. It's amazing, isn't it? How many had grandparents that prayed for you? Yeah? Amazing. I love it. I didn't. But it's amazing. I love it. I love it. And for some here that with a Mennonite heritage, it's amazing. Absolutely. I love it. Um, just the generations of blessing, generations of blessing. It's amazing. And sometimes, because you've believed all your life, I've observed that sometimes you can, can forget just the power of the gospel to change hearts. Because you've grown up with it. Can I say... But in that January evening, when I gave my life to Jesus, having never heard the gospel, and I prayed an old sinner's prayer, there was one emotion and one feeling I've never forgotten. I felt clean for the first time in my whole life. And sometimes we can take that feeling for granted. We forget that he washes away our guilt. He washes away our shame. He washes away our pain. And we're clean under the new covenant. And some of you know that experience. Some of you had that experience. You were raised in a Christian home. You went to camp and you got blasted by God and and you felt that experience. My kids have experienced that. 
They go, you know, they've been raised. But he was pierced for our transgressions. So this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The new covenant. We are forgiven. We are made new. We are made clean. We are now alive in Christ Jesus. I love it. And we're reminded that he will bring you to the land that belongs to your ancestors and you will take possession of it and he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. It's a promise. Now I want to change gear for a few moments and talk about two things that come when we are born into the kingdom of God. The clear thing is that, first of all, it comes through our obedience. That obedience is still there. And when we obey the Lord and we follow the Lord and we obey him, boy, things start to change. And there are two, three things I want to highlight that radically change before I finish. First of all, we are given a brand new heart. You see, the whole issue in Noah was the heart. The issue in the Old Testament was the heart of stone. But what the Lord does under the new covenant, every one of us receives a soft heart, a new heart, a new beginning, a beautiful heart that God births within our lives. And the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you. You will gain and obey the Lord and follow all his commandments I give you today. Why do we follow his commandments today? Because he's given us a new heart. Why do we obey him? Because he has forgiven us. He has cleansed us. He has made us new. And as the great prophet said, I will give them a new heart, prophesying. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I will remove you and your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Clearly, one of the factors that we know when we've been touched by the power of God is that we no longer have a hard, angry heart. We no longer have a bitter heart. We no longer have a hard heart to God. We no longer have a hard heart to people. But God has given us a new heart, a new spirit, and a new way to live. So he brings forgiveness. He brings a new heart. And let's finish in Acts. For Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we get a new heart, we receive forgiveness, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And every one of us under the new covenant, Gentiles, 
We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can only do Christianity by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that hovered over the creation of the world, that same Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit that filled the temple in Jerusalem, fire came out, that Spirit lives in you. The same Holy Spirit that was present in a cloud, present on the mountain, that same Holy Spirit that brought Jesus into the world in the womb of Mary, that same Holy Spirit that brought Christ out of the tomb. That same Holy Spirit lives in every one of us under the great story of the Lord, under the new covenant. You and I are full of the Holy Spirit. And we repent. Even on my servants, he says, quoting Joel, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke. Hallelujah. Now, we believe this prophecy in Joel, don't we? Oh, that was very convincing. <laughs> we believe this because we're part of it, because it is the birth of the church. But I've got a little problem with Joel here. Because as far as I can tell, I will show the wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will turn to darkness and the, and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of our Lord. Now, as far as I know that on the day of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Pentecost, none of that happened. So what's going on? We had the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But then there's a day when the sky will turn dark. Things will get pretty nasty. We will see these events happen because it's the same prophetic word. It birthed the church. So, so, so why is this quoted in the sermon? Why is he talking about these images of darkness, of moon, of blood? This is like, this is like... Sci-fi. I will, I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. Billows. Have you ever seen a billow of smoke? <laughs> I haven't. I'm sure I have. But what is going on? Well, can I tell you that part of this grand story is this. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful and he sends you abundant showers, but autumn and spring rains as before. See, we received the autumn rains that came on the day of Pentecost, but towards the end, Towards the end, there will be the spring rains. And I want to tell you that towards the end, I believe completely that there will be another mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit across this planet and more people will give their lives to Jesus. As it gets darker, the Spirit will move more. As it starts to 
crumble, as it starts to get dark, as the sun is darkened, there is something amazing that's going to happen on this planet and they will experience the spring rains will come. The spring rains will come. The power of the Holy Spirit. Because I do not believe for one moment that towards the end, only a little remnant are going to be there. I believe that there will be millions and millions of people as they are today being ushered into the kingdom of God because there'll be another outpouring of the Spirit of God on this planet. Keep it. I just can't get away with it because if you put these two prophecies together, I'm anticipating a mighty coming, but I'm anticipating that God will save and God will move. And outside of Canada and outside of Europe, we are seeing more and more people giving their lives to Jesus Christ exponentially. We are seeing more people giving their lives in Arabia and 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 Iran and Iraq. We're seeing a move of the gospel throughout Africa. We're seeing people getting saved in their tens of thousands. God is not finished with this planet. And I'm excited to pray for the spring rains that will come at that time. Now, maybe you're not excited about that. Maybe you quite like it though. No, we're just all... I'm not very happy with that. I believe and I see, whether it's in South America, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Asia, whether it's in India, wherever it is, I can see nothing but God doing incredible things. Incredible things. The spring rains. The spring rains. Would you believe again for the spring rains? Would you believe that God will do something in Canada? Would you start to pray again that God would have mercy on our nation and that his spirit would move and many would receive the beautiful, wondrous gift of the seed king, of the priest king, of the Messiah, of the one who will rule for eternity, of Jesus Christ. James puts it like this. Be patient then, brothers and sisters. Until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rain. Are you patiently waiting for God to send the rain? Now, we've got no control over this planet. God's sovereign. But the one area where I can see a difference is me. I can live seeking a freshness of God in my life. I can live with an urgency. I can live with a renewed love. I can follow Christ completely. And you see how it stitches together from Genesis all the way through the Abrahamic covenant, all the way to Moses, all the way to David, and then to Christ, and finally to the great second coming. And you and I are privileged enough to be part of this massive global story. Nothing should make us afraid. 
nothing. Because God is with us. Jesus loves us. Oh, and I've preached for a really long time, but not as long as Pastor Glenn did one week ago. And I know that now everybody's going to be texting Pastor Glenn because I, I cracked one joke and, and he was like, did you say I was not pregnant? Do you remember that little joke? Uh, a long story. It sounds weird, I know. It was, he had COVID. I said, he's, he's positive. He's pregnant. But I saw him yesterday and went for a nice walk. And uh, I know he's excited. But these, this series, and we, we're coming to the end of it, Revisit it, relook at it, and renew yourself. Let's stand together. I, I stood in this church um, and got an idea of what covenant and relationship of renewing looked like. A couple had been married for many years, came and um, stood at the front, and there was just a small amount of people. And they made a nice little area and a little cover. And I, I did something that I haven't done a lot of in my 35 years in ministry, but I I led them through a renewal of their marriage vows. And that person often talks to me about that moment when they, when they needed to just stand and completely renew themselves. It was a certain celebration of a, so many years married and renewal. And how that moment, in the, what God had been doing in their lives, had so shifted something remarkable that they experienced a fresh love, a fresh joy, a fresh excitement, a fresh devotion that they just were blown away. I don't think the person would mind me saying who it was. It's, it's Leslie and Curtis Tolman, Pastor Curtis. It was probably about 11 years ago. And we prayed and he said, you know, we've been through so much in life. But at that moment, we just set the reset button and we were like, I need, we just fell in love again. A freshness. So many of us, that's really what I'm talking about. This sermon just boils down to this. The new covenant means we just get a new heart and we fall in love. And it's like the spring rains are falling on our soul and we're alive again with God. So in this final song, please, fall in love with Jesus again. Recommit yourself. And if you're not a Christian, or you lived away from God, today is the day I want to ask you to get right with God. I was at the Billy Graham Ranch 23 years ago in the chapel. I was training there. And I promised the Lord that every time I 
would preach, I would invite people to get saved. And I did it for years. And that first year, I led 75 people to Christ in the little church I was pastoring. And I know, and I was reminded this week, and I, many of you saw the news of a man that was sadly murdered in Kelowna. And his family and himself, I met him, came to this church for four or five weeks through July, every Sunday. And that made me think, did I actually invite a person to get saved in July? I really hope I did. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I gave an opportunity. But it did drive me to my knees this week to repent and say, Phil, you've forgotten that in every opportunity invite people to get right with God because we never know tomorrow, do we? So if you want to get right with God, just pray this prayer with me. If you want to become a Christian. Lord Jesus, this morning I choose to give my whole life to you. As you gave your life for me on the cross, I give myself to you. Forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me of the wrong that I've done. And make me clean and new now. I give my whole life to you as you gave your whole life for me and took away my sin. As every head's bowed for a moment, if you're getting right with God or you're becoming a Christian for the first time or just maybe raise your hand and by saying that I'm not going to embarrass you I'll be here at the end and there'll be some elders here if you want to chat and talk but if you want to make this a moment of coming back to Jesus then just for a moment just lift your hand up God bless you God bless you by lifting your hand up, you're saying, I'm, I'm going to live for Jesus completely. Anybody else? Anybody in the balcony? You live. God bless you. That's brilliant. God bless. Living for Jesus completely. Living the big story. Father, I pray for those that have lifted their hands and responded to say, I want to live for Jesus. Then, Lord, in this closing song, do something divinely and do something beautiful, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I will be stood right here at the end with a Bible to give away and come after the last song and I'll pray with you if you rededicated your life to the Lord or became a Christian this morning. I'm here.